The stranger in the pulpit this morning is Garwood Anderson. I'm the dean of Neshota House Theological Seminary, a seminary that exists to raise up and train priests for the church. Um, we exist for this parish. Not this parish alone, but especially for this parish. Uh, in the years ahead and uh, in the near future, when you are looking for godly leadership that will carry forward the gospel of Jesus Christ, shepherd the flock, um, they, it is likely that that uh, priest may come from the Shota house. So we're here to, uh, to make friends, to see old ones, to make new ones, and to let you know that we exist for you and for this parish. It's my delight to be with you this morning. You probably know that the Bible speaks often of the importance of running, that running a race is a picture for the Christian life. In fact, I can count some seven times that St. Paul alone compares the life of a Christian to running a race. Now, that's good material for preachers. Admittedly, it's a little better for preachers who are themselves runners, <clears throat> you know, that can speak from experience and with a little bit of credibility. For my own part, I mentioned in my sermon last week that no less than Aristotle, the great philosopher, claimed that a man displayed his true dignity by the slowness of his gait. And that has been my excuse ever since I read it. <laughs> Needless to point out, I've uh, acquired more than my share, fair share of dignity over the years. Preachers picking up on the metaphor of the Christian race are often quick to remind us that this race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's long. And the challenge is not starting well, but finishing. Of course, the point is true and it's well taken. But if we really want to compare the course of the Christian life to a particular race, it's not even as much a marathon as it is a steeplechase. Do you know what the steeplechase is? You know, that's the one that you watch on TV, the race where in the midst of running a very long distance to the point of exhaustion, one encounters these high hurdles that you can't jump, but you have to step on and jump over, and often on the other side there's up to 15 feet of deep water into which the runners inevitably land, hopefully only with their feet. It's an event that looks like it was invented by the producers of one of those people crashing and getting hurt home video shows. And indeed, people crash and get hurt. So yes, the Christian life is like a race and not a sprint, but rather more like a steeplechase than a marathon. And most of us spend at least some of our time face down in the water. You probably noticed that we read one such passage today in Philippians where St. Paul compares the life of following Christ to that of a race which requires of us a singular devotion. Straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call in God, in, of God in Christ Jesus. Now the first thing we need to understand about this race is that Paul got into this race by getting out of another race. Paul got into the pursuit of Christ 
by abandoning his own pursuits. In fact, in the beginning of the reading today, Paul has given a list of his credentials, and they're impressive by some measure. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin at a time when most Israelites could not name their tribe, a Hebrew born of Hebrew parents, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now, in our house, when my children were younger, they would have said that Paul is being braggy. It's not very classy to display one's credentials like this, and indeed, Paul himself knows this. His point is that all these credentials were once his as one of the leading young Jewish men of Jerusalem. These credentials which made him a force to be reckoned with, a man of high social status and of religious arrogance, at least as he would come to see it as arrogance. These had become worthless to him. He says he counts them as loss, which is actually accounting language not for worthless, but for financial liabilities or debits. Not only were they worth nothing, they were worth less than nothing. They counted, he said, against him. Then, as if he had not already made the point, he goes even further to say that he counts them as sheer rubbish, which is a rather polite translation for a word that more frequently would refer to excrement. But we're in church. The point is this. Paul's noble Jewish heritage is not to be despised, at least not under normal circumstances, but he found Christ, or as he would better put it, he was found in Christ. And he was found in Christ to have a status and a destiny so much more glorious, so much more secure, so much more hopeful, that his past accomplishments, by which he did not gain Christ, are less than pointless. Moreover, to the extent that he had depended on his own credentials, he had become a very accomplished, very self-assured, lost person. But now, being found in Christ, not having his own do-it-yourself righteousness that came from his accomplishment of the law, he has a righteousness that comes from God by means of faith. And that very same righteousness is ours in Christ. So you see, Paul abandoned the race to make himself right before God and let God make him right through Jesus Christ. Thus, this new race he's running is not at all like that former rat race. There is no earning God's approval and acceptance by running harder. There is no competition with others. Like persons rather newly unshackled, we are running a race that paradoxically has already been won for us. And this point cannot be made strongly enough. We are in a race not so that we can find God, but because we have been found in Christ. We run the Christian race not as frantic people who are late for the train and will miss it if we don't arrive on time. 
but because we are once disabled persons who've now been made able to run. Did you notice that the running of this race is accompanied by another action? Forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead. We carry two burdens that threaten our running of this race. One burden is the burden of our sins, our failures, our having done what we ought not to have done and having not done what we ought to have done. And according to St. Paul in Christ, these are to be forgotten. Forgotten by us because they have been forgotten by God, who now sees us in our true selves, that is, as we are joined to His Son, Jesus Christ. It is not humility or piety to beat ourselves up over that for which we have been absolved. Let's say that again. It is not humility or piety to beat ourselves up over that for which we have already been absolved. It is, or it could be, unbelief and pride. To refuse to believe that God was deadly serious on the cross when the sins of the world were borne by His Son. No, it is choosing to believe that as it concerns our salvation, it is still us and our actions that matter most. And that's pride. Rather, trusting Christ is to see our past sins and failures as He does. Forgiven, irrelevant, forgotten. But there's another thing to be forgotten in this race. If we are made able to forget our sins, on the one hand, we must also forget our accomplishments, on the other. This arguably is Paul's more pressing point in the context, where he has just named all of his accomplishments. We will not run the race by rehearsing to ourselves how well we ran past races, how much we've made of ourselves with our lives, how much admired we've become, how much good we've done. That's not running the race. It's to be forgotten. No, rather, resting in Christ alone. Paradoxically, we strain forward, and what we did yesterday, bad or good, has no bearing on today. We are new creatures in Christ. But someone might ask, well, then, why run it all? If, as it were, a taxi has picked us up and we're going to make it to the train in any case, why should we even bother? Why even be here this morning? I hope I'm not going to hurt church attendance here. Maybe we can make this simpler. We run this race because we've become free to run it. We are like children, and the bell has rung on the last day of class before summer vacation. Anybody tell those kids to run out the door? You didn't have to. 
Could anybody stop those kids from running out the door on the last day of school? You could not. Or maybe we're like my little two-and-a-half-year-old grandson who sees his grandma, and he goes running to her to hug her. He says, hi, Grandpa. But he runs to his grandma to hug her. You all know how that goes. It's fair. You see, the running is involuntary because of the joy set before us. Because of what's ahead for us. And that's what Philippians depicts. The Christian who is found in Christ having a righteousness from God which is not of their own making, is straining for that very reason toward their ultimate goal. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. We run as a people set free to make the goal our own because Christ has made us His own. One translation put it this way, that we lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of us. But what is that? Simply this. It's the eternal life of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is ours. That's the that. That's what we run toward. In Christ, we are on a course with destiny to know in this life and the next the fullness of our salvation. We who were formed to bear the image of God, who have despoiled that image in sin, are now running toward our true end, to be like Christ, in whom God's image is returned to us and God's glory is restored to us. That is the prize of the upward call. That is the hope of the resurrection already effective in us. That is our future. That is already our present. And it is a future and a present so good and glorious, Paul tells us that we needn't wait for it. We must run toward it. Set free from sin, liberated from our own press releases, we can lay claim to God's future for us already now in this life. In anticipation of that day when he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And for that joy that is set before us, we will run to it with all his might. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.